welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, we've got uh, playoffs. We've got playoff games to talk about here. We've got the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan and the Sugar Bowl between Washington and Texas. Um, these are the two postseason games <laughs> in college football. There are not any others. Uh, contrary to what to what you might be hearing otherwise, these are the only two postseason games, and then there will be a third one uh, in the national championship game. Um, how's it going? How are you feeling about these right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to them. Um, I, I mean, I think these are this this feels like it's going to be another competitive first round of the playoff, and I would be very shocked if we're looking at like a blowout, a blowout as bad as we saw for like TCU Georgia last year. Uh, and I think you know, although I think the way we got to this process with Florida State getting left out is horseshit. I think we are setting up for like you know three of the best playoff games we've had in recent memory this goes the way i think it will yeah i i i would hope so right like i I would hope that if we if you know coming into it it does feel like there are i think four teams capable of winning the championship game i i I don't know like there are some who i feel better about than others but there's not really the dominant team here um there's not really the one clear obvious favorite to do it and there's not really one clear weak team i do think alabama just as a football product not necessarily matchup wise but just as a team is the worst of the four teams here um but it's not like a huge there's not a huge margin between the top and the bottom there there are four teams that can go on a run and that, that can do this there are distinct styles um, we have two very different semifinal games, and then what should be a nice, you know, uh, no matter what the matchup is, what should be a nice clash of styles in the championship game. Um, I, I am uh, uh, cautiously optimistic that we are going to get good playoff games, three good playoff games, which we've not, off the top of my head, I don't know that we've ever had in a season, right? Because there, it seems like there's always been at least one blowout. Sometimes there has been two or even three blowouts last year we got two of if not the two best semifinal games in the playoffs you know slim history um and then obviously the championship game was it <laughs> did not happen the championship game does not exist um it did not occur but uh we got two good games let's hope for three here mm-hmm. it would be nice to end this era off with three good games and it doesn't seem that crazy yeah, no, I don't think it is either. And again, we all know the process that got us here sucks shit. But, I mean, you're looking at a one-point pick-em spread, basically, in Alabama-Michigan. You're looking at a four-and-a-half-point spread uh, in the in the Texas-Washington game. These are projected to be, and I think based on what we've seen for these teams in the field for much of the year, what we know about their roster makeup and coaching makeup, this looks to me like it's we're going to have two very competitive football games. I think they're, the the four teams are also uh, matched up stylistically pretty well as well. Um, like I think Alabama, Michigan is a a fun clash of styles, uh, as is Texas, Washington. I, I think like the more exciting the two games for a casual fan will almost certainly be you know UT versus Washington, right? Just based on the way that's probably going to play out. But I think Texas Alabama is a great football matchup as well. So I'm or excited. Michigan to get into these. Alabama. Um, yeah. What did I say? Texas, Alabama. Oh, yeah. That game already happened. I forgot. Alabama got their ass kicked. Yeah. They um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, you know, I'm looking forward to this. It's uh, it should be a uh, should be a good a good little tournament here. Before we get into it, we should talk about our website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, this would be if you are interested in a place to watch this game, not like actually physically watch it, but to talk about it as it's happening, to talk about these games as they're happening. Um, you will not find a better spot for that than the minute midfield message boards. Um, that it is as a as a second. We've said this before during the season, but as a second screen experience goes, you really aren't going to do any better than than the message board. Having the message board pulled up on your phone or your laptop while you watch these two games as the main screen up on the TV, um, it's really good. It's really really good. I would guess that that everybody there will be operating at full capacity when these games roll around um and that has been some of the some of the most enjoyable moments of the season for me were those really big games where i was i was 
you know, watching the message board and watching the games at the same time and just everybody's rolling in, everybody's reacting to the stuff that they're seeing. Everybody's really, it's not just like the, you know, it's not a traditional game thread because people are still giving coherent thoughts and there's, it's, it's just, it's a good time. It's a good place to go and go and hang out. And we have other stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's honestly is the best time of the year. And I think there's very few places where you're going to get all of the fans. Like we have fans from every single one of these teams. I mean, we don't have a Texas fan, but we, we certainly have Bama and Washington fans and plenty of Michigan fans. Um, I think we have a pretty good mix. And just in terms of national fan bases for a place to discuss it, that isn't like the cesspool of Twitter or Reddit or like the rivals national board. There's really nowhere else you're going to get that has this kind of spread of fans that know their teams. Well, that are not dickheads. <laughs> well, I mean, they are sometimes yeah. in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, and that really love the game. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see this stuff play out um, over the course of these two games. I am very much looking forward to it. But, yeah. Um, and we have. Uh, all... And besides that, too, yeah, the podcast, yeah. the articles, everything else we do. Yeah, yeah. You, you get premium episodes of this show, premium episodes of your show that you do with Kevin, High Street Freaks. Um, you get the premium posts, the, the written content, and uh, you can get all of that at a discount right now if you use the code JOLLY, uh, like you know Santa would say, J-O-L-L-Y. Uh, you'll get 40% off of your first purchase towards a, a membership, and that can be a monthly subscription, a semi-annual subscription, or an annual subscription. Obviously, the amount that you're getting off will scale with each one, uh, but it is a blanket 40% off code for your first purchase towards that subscription. Uh, again, that code is Jolly. It will be in the description, uh, as it has been for a couple episodes in a row now. Uh, go on over there, meetatmidfield.com, and join us. It's it's a it's a really good time. Um, all right, you want to jump in here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's lead off with... Um... The first game, chronologically, the Rose Bowl game between Alabama and Michigan at 5 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, this is a big one, Pat. Um, we, yeah. uh, I mean, Bama backdoored its way into this playoff, uh, I think, unjustably, you know, unjustifiably, but uh, they did get here. Uh, they play a Michigan team that has been undefeated all season. Um, they got a uh, some pretty big wins late in the year over Penn State and, and Ohio State. Um, to you know, kind of secure their spot after obviously a lot of controversy around Jim Harbaugh and everything else. Uh, they have him back now for the playoff. Uh, they seem to be mostly at full strength, right? I don't think any real injuries in this team or for Alabama. I think both of these teams are pretty much fully healthy as far as I know. Yeah. Um, which should be good to see. Uh, I guess just general big picture here. What do you feel like is the narrative going to this game? Hmm. Um, it, it probably, <clears throat> this is true of every game ever. Um, it probably depends on, on where you're looking, right? Uh, because the, the, not necessarily even insurgent, but the, the opinion that is being kind of foisted upon everyone, the opinion that, that is being, uh, thrown over everything is that Alabama has gotten better, which I don't think is really all that true. I don't think Alabama has actually gotten all that much better. I think Alabama's kind of just kind of just there and like you said backdoored into it. Um doesn't really deserve the spot, but it got the spot and it's the team that we're going to talk about. Um and so I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of talk about oh, you know, the job that Nick Saban has done getting the most talented team by 247 talent composite in history to uh the number 4 spot in the playoff and backing into it really in, in completely unconvincing fashion. The job that it's a job that no one else could do. Uh, only Nick Saban could manage to get a team yeah. with five stars at every fucking position uh, to it quite literally the most talented roster in the history of college football. Yeah. Only he could lead them to a miracle victory over a team that the week prior lost to New Mexico state at home in the same stadium. Um, only he could do that. Nobody else is capable of doing that. Nobody else could lose to Texas by 10 at home. Um, and uh, really kind of just look like shit for, you know, half of the season at, at least. And then the other half just kind of, you look a little bit less like shit, uh, you know, barely beat South Florida, all of that stuff. You can like, that's, it's, yeah, it's hard Arkansas, for me. Auburn debacles late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me to get past that. And I think that the, the, the idea that Alabama is like, Oh, they're, they're rounding into form. I really don't know if they are. I think that this is a, this is just kind of a, uh, limited might not be the right word because they really don't, they shouldn't have to be limited. But I do think that this is just an Alabama team that has 
a a known you know amount of of weaknesses it is it's known what they're good at and what they really aren't good at and it has been largely the same things all year there are pieces of the team that have gotten better uh i think that there are also probably pieces of the team that have gotten worse and that in general this is a this is an alabama team it is not the dominant alabama teams that you would traditionally associate with Nick Saban. I, I think that this is one of his worst Alabama teams. They're still good. They're still talented. They still do have that roster, and they're capable. They're capable of winning this game. They just beat Georgia. Um, yeah. But they are not They are not impenetrable, and, and I think that that – I have seen a lot of not – not saying that they're impenetrable, but saying that they are – Oh, they're they're you know they're they're taking shape for a for a title run. Like I don't really know that they are taking shape for that. I think that they're just kind of what they have been. Um, Michigan is is in a weird spot because it did play in the conference championship game week. It beat Iowa, but it did it in a game that basically nobody had any reason to watch. We knew what the result was going to be, and then the result was that um, Michigan was so good for the the you know uh, the majority of the season, but then kind of. Showed some weird glitchiness down the stretch, even as it picked up its its two biggest wins, right? Like it, it won those yeah. games. It they didn't look like. Yeah. I think even Michigan fans say they haven't looked good really, like in their last five or six games. Well, they yeah, they, and they did enough. Obviously, they're undefeated, and they yeah. beat Ohio State, of course, and they beat Penn yeah, State. Yeah, yeah. But it is there's there's been some weird kind of glitchiness with the offense. There has been some. Just stuff that that you, you you look at, and that you're a little bit concerned about going into this kind of game, going into a playoff game. Um, I, the 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 wide sweeping narrative, I, I guess, would be, you know, what Michigan, what which version of Michigan shows up, and which version of Alabama shows up is, it, it feels very even. It feels very very even, depending largely on the reliability or lack thereof. Uh, of the the weaknesses of these two teams that have shown up at times this season, it's just which team is able to uh, avoid those for the most part. Yeah, and I think the thing that's interesting here for me, like I, I agree a hundred percent that Alabama has not rounded into form. What happened is they played a very good game against Georgia in their most important game of the season, right? You know that that is like I do think they played pretty much lights out and came with a perfect game plan to play against Georgia, you know, Nick Saban's a fucking witch in, in Atlanta. He, I think is like 16 and one all time there now, uh, only lost to that 08 Florida team. Um, it is a ridiculous run for him. What he's done in Atlanta, this championship games, yada, yada. But what's interesting about that to me and the way Alabama has improved is two things. Like as much as we shit on Jalen Milrow early in the year, he has legitimately improved uh, after that Arkansas kind of, poopy game over the last four or five games they played he's completed two-thirds of his passes for 10.7 yards per attempt and five and a half yards per carry and he's accounting for over three touchdowns per game on average he's become their best offensive player i think pretty comfortably uh really and has been a huge there. contributor yeah. <laughs> well oh, yeah, fair enough but i mean it is what it is uh he has actually gotten better and there are a couple teams that were able to run on on Alabama a little bit. Auburn did it with a lot of outside run. I think Hugh Freeze is very good at creating space for that um, outside the tackles. And Jaden Daniels got free on Alabama quite a bit in that game. However, no one has been able to run between the tackles in Alabama for like two and a half months. Yeah. And I, I think that is the most concerning note for Michigan because as much as this team has prided itself on its rush offense for years now, uh, under Jim Harbaugh, especially the 21 and 22 teams, this team has gotten a lot less efficient running the football and a lot less effective, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they're down to 57th in success rate rushing the ball this year. And like Blake Corum does not look the same in the open field. Donovan Edwards doesn't know what a hole is. Um, he, he has no vision. He has no feel for it this year. I don't know what's happened to him. The running attack just looks a lot worse. And although they do, they have done some stuff previously with JJ McCarthy and kind of getting him as a, as a factor there. And they've had play action success previously. They haven't called a ton of that at all this year. And you really haven't seen it as a staple for them. And I don't think they can play like inefficient man ball against Bama and win this game. Like they have to have something else in the bag. We haven't seen from them lately to do this on offense. Yeah. And, and like, I think that that, you know, that doesn't feel impossible. I think that they can 
do that. They've shown the ability to do that. They haven't done it as much recently. But I would imagine, <laughs> just based on, you know, uh, assuming that this is the case, that the offense will probably improve with Sharon Moore not having to be the head coach, right? Like that he can just focus on calling plays and being the offensive coordinator and game planning that out. Obviously, they've had Harbaugh during the week. They just haven't had him on Saturdays. But to change those those game day responsibilities, I think, is helpful. And, and that some of the offensive decline, not all of it, but some of those issues were just a fact of, of him having to you know, having to do too much on game day, having to do more than he was really comfortable doing. Um, but it, it probably does, <laughs> to oversimplify it, it probably does come down to, you know, is, is this, is J.J. McCarthy really good or is he just a regular amount of good? Is he able to operate um, and make plays for the offense with a, a receiving core that's fine? Um, or is he just kind of going to play within the offense? Because I think, yeah, like well, you said, if he, if he's just, if it's just man ball, if it's inefficient man ball, I don't know that that's going to get the job done. If he's really good, I think it could absolutely get the job done. But the other question too, is like, can Michigan even give him the opportunity to be really good? Can they block for him? Like, can they actually have a drop back passing game or even if they roll him out of the pocket, like can those tackles, can those tight ends, effectively block against against Dallas Turner against Chris Braswell like can they avoid or keep pressure away from his face and I don't know that they can that's like like it's harder for like I can see Michigan finding a way to get success in like more outside running game schemes I think they've done that in the past you know that they're they're relatively good with counter um they haven't done a ton of stretch their outside zone stuff works I think they can figure that out to a certain level but I really don't know if they can protect McCarthy or have him drop back with any kind of consistency. Like, like Bama's not a perfect defense, but they have some dudes that can just get in your face and get after you. Yeah. Uh, Turner is probably the best rusher in the country, best passer in the country. Him, Jalen Green, or Jared Burris. It's yeah. you know, I mean, like it's a sh- very short list that he's on. Um, that's the concerning point to me. Is like I- I'm just trying to figure out how Michigan moves the football consistently. I think they have a matchup advantage at tight end. Um, I think with Colston Loveland and AJ Barner, they have one of the better tight end duos in America and they can use that to their advantage. But these aren't Brock Bowers guys, right? You can't build a whole offense out of those tight ends. Um, So what else are they going to do? I guess is my question. (laughs) Well, (laughs) because, and and also not to bring in like too much, because I think you can get caught up when you predict games off of narratives or off of like past information out before the season too much. But there is a level of like, we've seen what Nick Saban does when he has talent and has a month to prepare for a playoff, generally, like the way he prepares his team for the postseason. And we've also seen Jim Harbaugh's record in the postseason, which has not been good. Um, I mean, losing to a much less talented TCU team last year was one thing, but it's been years of him struggling in bowl games, right? Like, I don't think he does particularly well with the extra time because I don't think they have a ton of wrinkles there. Uh, I mean, credit to Sean Moore. He had some stuff in his bag for the Ohio State game. But, like, historically, Michigan plays it pretty straight up. Like, they don't really deviate a ton. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, that is a concern for me as well. Like, a concern if you're a Michigan fan is that, like, do you actually trust Jim Harbaugh to prepare for a month and Nick Saban prepare for a month and Jim Harbaugh to come out with a better game plan to do something new? Yeah. Which like yeah that that is a that is a concern especially because I think that there is a significant opportunity there and one that Michigan really needs to take, um, which is to to switch some things around and probably to watch a lot of uh, Auburn tape, <laughs> right? To probably watch a lot of what Auburn yeah. did on the ground in that game, because. Auburn did this against both Georgia and Alabama, and it lost both games, but it was competitive in both games because it ran the ball outside the, the tackle box, like a lot, and it did it with a lot yeah. of success. That was the that was the weakness for both of those defenses. It's still the weakness for Alabama's defense, which is the one that we're concerned with here, uh, the one that we're talking about here. But like Auburn basically couldn't pass the ball. It did. It basically it, it essentially didn't pass the ball in that yeah, game. 93 passing yards against yeah. Bama. Yeah. yeah. I think Peyton Thorne was like five of 16 and he took four sacks. <laughs> he just, yeah. you know, he, he had, he had three more completions than he had interceptions. Um, and yeah. so you, and, and worth noting, by the way, really quick, sorry to try to cut you off, but yeah. like 
that Auburn lost that game by three points with a minus three turnover margin. Yeah. Um, man. Like they were moving the ball much better than Alabama did. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. And so, and they did it with, with stuff that I think Michigan is capable of is, is more than capable of Michigan's a much better team and a bunch better offense offense than Auburn is. Um, what, what changed that game and what very nearly won Auburn that game was a few really big explosive plays, right? They, they, they were able to, sneak out a couple times and make those big passing plays. It didn't have to be reliably good. It wasn't reliably good, but they had a couple. And then they ran the ball outside really well, and they had their their playmakers at halfback making plays and, and challenging an Alabama defense that doesn't quite have the side-to-side speed that you would want to have as a defense <laughs> and hasn't really had that all year. Um, and so I, I think Michigan has the ability and has the personnel to do that. These running backs in theory, especially Donovan Edwards should be able to do that. Um, This line, I think can, like you said, block outside running stuff pretty well. And then if you're, if you're successful there, if you're generally successful there, and I think that they should be able to be, if if, if Auburn could be, you should be able to do it. Yeah. In theory, you you should be able to, but but again, we just haven't seen them do it. That's the only thing I forgot. Yeah. And so if you can do that, in theory, shouldn't be that big of a stretch with the talent that they have. Um, then a couple big explosive passing plays, you know J.J. McCarthy can give you that even with pressure. You know he can do that. You know those tight ends, like you mentioned, are capable of, of sneaking out and making big plays that Roman Wilson's good for one or two a game. And that was, I mean, Michigan has done that to win big games before this year. It is just a matter of a, a shift. Not a huge shift, but a shift in the way that they approach this game that, like you said, we've not seen a ton of from Harbaugh, from Harbaugh teams. It's not usually his style in these games, and I think that you know my the the hope is, and I and I think the thing that I'm not even really banking on, but the thing that does sit in the back of my mind is that maybe Michigan will have learned something from the fact that it lost its last two playoff games and that it really hasn't fared all that well in the postseason, and maybe this being you know the opportunity that it is where. There's a very, very, very real chance to win a national championship here. There is not a Georgia sitting at the top of the bracket. There is not a there's some some immovable force that you're going to have to try and get past. Michigan could very well, if it plays its best, be the best team in this four-team field. Are you willing to do things that can win you these games? Are you willing to adjust and, and operate the way that you have to operate to win the national championship when the trophy's sitting there in front of the table, in, in front of you on the table, when you can see it, when you can go and get it? Realistically, there's a path to do that. Are they willing to do that? And and I think that that is, I I think that's I think that's possible. I don't think that it's it's set in stone that they will just go in and, and try to play it straight up. I think if they do that, it's going to be much harder sledding. But if they are willing to attack outside a little bit more, if they're willing to adjust the approach just enough to to better take advantage of what Alabama is not very good at defensively, Michigan's offense absolutely has the talent to take advantage in a way that really nobody in the SEC could because the SEC is not a real conference. It's not a serious league. Um, <laughs> none of the teams in it were able to do this enough to beat Alabama but like Texas was and Auburn damn near was and Auburn is not as good as Michigan and 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 it's doable. You can do this. You don't even have to play at Alabama. You're playing in the Rose Bowl. This is not, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Just do it. Just do it. You have the talent to do it. You have the personnel to do it. Just do it. Yeah, or don't. I mean, I prefer if you didn't. But yeah, uh-huh. I know what you're saying. Uh, um <laughs> I think the Alabama offense is also interesting for me to watch here because like as much as the Michigan offense has been spotty, but the Michigan defense has been pretty much lights out all season. Um, I think they are very good in the front. I think with the caveat, I will add that Alabama is like, I think by far the best O line they'll play all season, like not even close. Um, that's a line that improved throughout the year, had some struggles early on, but it's really kind of gelled and looked really good against Georgia. I thought, um, I think that it's pretty comfortable. Excuse me. Pretty comfortably the best O-line that Michigan will play. Um, I am very curious to see how they use Jalen Milrose at rushing threat. Uh, that has been a big advantage than previously, and I feel like he is probably their best chance of generating explosives. Michigan has not allowed many passing explosives all season. Um, I don't know that they will in this one either. Uh, I mean, their secondary is pretty solid. I do think Josh Wallace is a weak point. Uh, Mikey Santristell and, and uh, 
and Will Johnson and those guys are, are very strong. Um, I also don't think Alabama's receivers are particularly dynamic. I'm not very impressed by them. Um, obviously, Jermaine Burton's had a couple big games here and there, but those are largely off of like defensive breakdowns, which Michigan does not have a ton of. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to watch that um, and figure out how Michigan finds yards because their rushing attack, Sans Milrow, is not particularly or like, Alabama. How Alabama finds particularly... yards? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, dude. I'm whatever. It's okay. Um... People know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. People know what I'm saying. How Alabama finds yards because. I don't think their rushed attack without Milrow has looked very efficient most of the year. Uh, they don't have dudes. They have Royda Williams and Jam Miller. Like they're not guys, you know. Mm. Um, you've had some improvement in receiver position from you know your Burtons, your Isaiah Bonds. They kind of come on a little bit, but there's just not a lot of dudes here who are particularly impressive. Like, I don't really see a lot of players on Alabama's offense who can go out there and make a play. And I, as much as I said, I don't think Michigan can win playing man ball against Alabama. Um, I don't think that Alabama is going to put together a lot of sustained drives on you. Uh, they need to hit explosives. They probably need to score off a short field, a turnover, something like that. And to be fair, JJ McCarthy has looked mostly better at this this season, but I'm sure there are some thoughts in the back of their heads about like, hey, he threw those like ducks against TCU last year on terrible reads, couple games this year where he did the same thing again. And Terry Arnold's a demon. He is like one of the best guys at breaking on the football in the country. Um, that's a scary thought for Michigan as well, I think. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see how Michigan, if at all, can put together consistent drives. Like, can they march down and have a 12 play, 75 yard touchdown drive? Yeah. Um, are they going to have to hit explosives to score? I, that, that's what I'm kind of curious to watch throughout this throughout this matchup. Yeah, and, and I I don't feel I don't feel especially good about Alabama's offense against Michigan's defense, <laughs> just in general. Which yeah. is, which is, I mean, you know, as as you said, like there's not the rushing attack hasn't been especially good outside of Milrow. Um, the passing game doesn't really have any guys who scare you. If if you know. If Marvin Harrison Jr. couldn't kill these guys, then I don't think Alabama has anybody who could. Um, Will Johnson well, Will Johnson will be at an advantage here rather than playing against Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I mean, Marv didn't kill them, but it, he did go for a buck 18 and a touchdown. Yeah, um, that's not killing them. They lost. The, they lost the game. He didn't. No, kill. they lost the game, obviously. Yeah. Right, right. But what I'm, what I'm saying here is like, no, look, you're right. Uh, but the argument, I mean, I, I think you could say that you know, Kyle McCord, who I think we all think sucks, still went for nine yards at a time in the Michigan secondary. Like, I think, like, I, I agree with your larger point that they will have a much bigger advantage against these receivers they did against Ohio State. Yeah. And they still acquitted themselves pretty well against Ohio State. But I don't think Michigan has, like, a lights-out, shutdown secondary. I, I think it's, like, a good one, and I don't think Alabama's receivers are the dynamic. Yeah. But Bama's receivers, for what they lack, do have speed. And I think a technical mistake here or there could result in someone getting burned. Yeah. And Michigan... I- with other than Santa still has opted for bigger corners who are physical and that can help because I don't think these Bama kids do very well getting off the line. But if you can, if they can get a little room downfield, they can run past them. Yeah. I, I, I that's, that's a possibility. I think that, that there's as good a possibility that Jalen Milrow makes a couple really dumb decisions um, and, sure. and, and takes some really bad sacks or throws a bad interception or fumbles the ball or does something of that does something of that nature. And, and again, to, to compare it to the, you know, the Ohio state game, Kyle McCord's two big mistakes were the difference in the game. And Jalen yeah. Milrow is, you know, a very different quarterback from Kyle McCord about as different as, as two quarterbacks could possibly be from each other, but he is also mistake prone in, in his own way. Yeah. And if you can just keep him certainly from, early in the year, a hundred percent. Yeah. If you yeah. can keep him from, from <laughs> dicking around in the pocket for 45 seconds until somebody finally comes open, he's going to have some trouble at times because he, he extends plays a little bit too long. If you can keep him contained, which is yeah. a lot easier said than done, he will do some things that could cost his team pretty badly, especially if you're able to, you know, stay disciplined in the back end and just take advantage of it. And I think Michigan's defense is generally really well coached. Um, yeah, I, I, I I don't know that I see them falling for that quite enough for Alabama to build yeah. a whole thing around it, um, which yeah. is what it's done. I, I think there has been, for sure, I think there has been some clear coaching of Bill Rowe the last several weeks. He only has in the last seven games, he has three turnovers, I believe. Yeah, I, I would um, hope that there's been some coaching of him. <laughs> what are we paying these guys well, for? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> but what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is specifically they have been coaching him to – 
not hang in the pocket as much. And like, look, even if you only get four yards by taking off, it's better than you throwing some of those stupid balls you threw downfield earlier in the year. And you like, especially against Michigan, Alabama does have a clear team speed advantage. I'm not trying to do the whole SEC SEC speed bullshit from 10 years ago, but like these two teams, Alabama has a team speed advantage. Um, And I think they very well, very well may say, Hey, look, if you've got a window and you can run, go see if you can get six or seven. Don't force anything this game. Uh, because we think we played straight up, we're going to beat them. Yeah, and it's two quarterbacks where you see like McCarthy hasn't done it much lately, and Milrow hasn't done it much lately. But both guys have experience in their past of being a turnover prone quarterback. And like, if the good version of both these guys show up, both teams are fine. If the bad version of either one shows up, I think you're in a lot of trouble considering the defense you're playing against the other side. Um, yeah, something so else. I, that I don't I'm, know, man. Something else that I'm yeah. curious about with this matchup, and I think this is one of my last things that i'm thinking about but yeah. um has okay, so i'm i'm racking my brain i'm going through the schedule i don't none of them really stand out has michigan played against a quarterback who runs as much as milro does like at all this season because kyle mccord doesn't do that iowa's you know nothing going on there talia doesn't really do that a ton um drew aller doesn't do it and then you're looking at you know early november purdue no Michigan State, certainly not. Indiana, not really. Minnesota, no. Nebraska, like, are we talking about, like, Gavin Wimsett is is the example? or like Yeah, Jaden Mayava didn't even yeah, play Jay- against them. They played UNLV. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. Doug, Doug Brumfield could run, too, when they played UNLV, but that was not a terribly competitive football game. Um, no. <laughs> so, Did Jeff Sims play against them for Nebraska? Uh, uh, no, it was uh, Henrik Harburg. And, like, he ran um, he ran a little bit. He's not Jalen Milrow. Um, no. <laughs> different, the answer is no, basically. Yeah, different short, experience. The no. Yeah, yeah Mayava ran two yeah. times for 13 yards. Brumfield ran five times for 19 yards. So I, I don't really – like, this is – this is different. If we're talking about, of course, if we're talking about which side of the ball from Michigan do I think will be better prepared for this game, it would be the defense. I think that the defense is, is more willing to adapt and more capable of adapting. Yeah, Wimsett ran six times for 28 yards. Um, so it's just, it's not something that they've seen a ton. So I, I am curious about that. It's not like anything brand new to football. Oh, oh my God, the quarterback can run. What do we do? Like, that's not schematically you can answer that pretty pretty quickly it's not some huge surprise that Jalen Milrose running around but it is different from what they have seen and that that is going to be that's going to be interesting I think that you could say a lot of the same stuff about Alabama's defense against somebody like J.J. McCarthy because the SEC has no good quarterbacks um but come on fuck it they play Jaden Daniels dude be serious that's been a while it's it's been a while and also they didn't do fucking anything <laughs> against him they sucked ass against uh, defending Jaden well, Daniels I mean they won the game yeah I get what you're saying but like JJ McCarthy is not Jaden Daniels either I mean no. M- like McCarthy is a lot closer and not yeah, this J- is not at all Jaden and value or like quality i'm saying style yeah to like gavin Wimsit of being able to like be a guy who runs a little bit and does some play action outside the pocket but is not a running threat first like no row is a true running threat yeah um, against Jaden daniels yeah, for reference sense. alabama did allow nine carries for 139 yards in touchdown <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for it, sure it's like, not not a not an example in their favor maybe um yeah, uh, well, i'm pulling up mccarthy's game i feel like he really they really limited his runs this season if i'm recalling correctly i mean yeah this would be a good time to to do that this would be a good time to to have him running a little bit more um what do you save him for he ran the ball he ran the ball against rutgers pretty well i guess the only game where he had more than 50 yards rushing yeah uh he had more than single digit yards uh, five or six times all yeah. season. Yeah, I'm seeing on the season 39 carries for 294 yards, three touchdowns, about seven and a half yards a carry. Not a ton of carries though. Um, game log has a 57 for 146. I think that that game on paper removes. Oh, this is on sack. Yeah, I think yeah. it removes sacks because he's at 18 that sacks. Makes sense. Um, so as a runner, not not a ton of not not high volume, but he can do it, and this would be a good time to do it if you wanted to do that. Just, like I said, you're not saving him for anything else at this point. If you lose the game and he gets hurt, who cares? Um, if you win the game and he gets hurt, then that's a problem for future Michigan to worry about. You don't need to be. Yeah. It's not it's not the um. You don't really need to to go into a semifinal thinking about the health of the team for the final. You need to win the semifinal first. Um, 
Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what these two defenses look like against a quarterback who is a little bit either different from what they've seen or that has traditionally this season kind of gashed them and has given them, given them some issues. So I, I think that that's yep. going to be a really fun matchup as well. Um, do you have anything else on this one? No, I think that's all of our thoughts. Uh, we're going to do predictions this week. Um, what uh, do you want me to go first? You want to go first? How do you want to do this? Uh, you can go first, and I'll I'll hone mine in based on that. Okay. All right. Um, I will pull up just the spread really for context. We're recording yeah. this a little bit in advance of the games. So there may be some line movement. Um, but uh, right now Michigan's favored by a point, and the over under is forty five and a half, which implies a. 23-22 final in Michigan's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I fun. think I yeah. have it. <laughs> What'd you say? I said that would be a funny game. I don't, really, I don't yeah, know how we get to 23-22, but I would be, I'd be all for it. Yeah, I'll take it 27-23 in Alabama's favor. Okay. And I'll predict the big play as an Alabama defensive score. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with... Hmm. I'm going to go with 20. Hmm. I'm going to go with 31, 20, 27, uh, Michigan wins. Uh, I'll, I'll say a 37, okay. uh, 31, 27, Michigan win um, with the, the big plays coming from that passing attack to one of the tight ends uh, being the, being the difference. Yeah. Um let me revise my score. I'm going. I'm still sticking with the Bama win. I'm going 2017. I'm taking the under. Actually, I don't know why it's okay. the over. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go with. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go with a higher scoring, higher scoring game, yeah. which I don't feel great about. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, Fair enough. All right. You know what I do feel great about, Ryan? I'm going to let you. Oh I'm gonna yeah. Let you tell everybody about it because I did the last one, but um, <laughs> I do feel really good about Home Field Apparel and HomeFieldApparel.com. I would say of the websites that are out there, this is one of the ones that I truly feel the best about. This is a good website that they've got over there. Yeah, it's right up there with like um, the Daily Mail for us. Yeah, and um, TMZ, you know, uh, um, the, the Babylon Bee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, world Star. I know we're both, sites. Yeah, we're both we big World, world Star. Star. We're both on the Clutch Points website uh, that we love so much. <laughs> <laughs> we're on Ebombs World. Yeah. Um, Homestarrunner.com. That's a big one. What's the one that Bar- um, that, that Barry Weiss does? What's her thing? Um, we're on there all the she's time. She's a university, University of Austin. I think they also have a website. Um, it's hmm. it's called something. Well, either story. way, entering the entering that pantheon of websites uh-huh. is Home Field Apparel with their new Barry Weiss line of clothing. <sighs> um, <laughs> uh, no, she she does not have a custom T-shirt line. They couldn't make it. They said it would take too much cloth. Yeah. Um, but they did. They, <laughs> they do have a lot of great shirts. <laughs> I don't feel apparel. <laughs> um, uh, they've got some new NFL gear out. A lot of uh, for the Colts. You know, they're they're one true love. They have some incredible gear for these games. Um, for all four of these teams, uh, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. Uh, a lot of really great things in there. I mean, the bomber jackets are unbelievable. They're on the snapback game now. Uh, they have a pretty good collection of snapbacks. I think there's seven of them. Um, a lot of big basketball brands. But, um, yeah, man, the gear they're putting out consistently is awesome. Like, I, I cannot recommend highly enough Dave Homefield gear. I have the shirts. I have the hoodies. Uh, I have the crew necks. I have the jackets. Uh, I don't have a hat yet, but I'm, we're working on that. We, they got to make one for a team I don't hate, and I'll get one. Um, <laughs> and uh, a lot of really, really good gear on there. Whether you're a fan of one of these four teams, if you're a fan of their major program, if you went to an FCS school or D2 school, they very well may have your stuff too. Um, They have some really incredible products out there, and I highly, highly recommend uh, taking the time to to buy some home field. And um, if you were hearing this, you should check to see if they have any ongoing holiday promotions uh, when you're hearing this. But if not, or if it's your first time buying from home field, uh, you should use the code meet at midfield, all one word for 15% off your first purchase. It'll let them know that we sent you, or you can also leave some notes referencing the triangle shirtwaist factory fire uh, or Barry Weiss. Uh, mm-hmm. Any of those are okay. Yeah. Um, whatever you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be, that'll be good. Uh, I, I'm sure that Connor will really get a, get a kick out of this read. I think he's probably going to really like it. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> yeah. He's probably not really nervous as we're reading this. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the ad. Just in the ad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna do it. We're gonna, yeah. folks. We're gonna end the ad. We love to end the ad. Yeah, yeah. homefieldapparel.com. Uh, endorsed fully by Barry Weiss. Uh, Washington versus Texas <laughs> in the Sugar Bowl is the second of two semifinal games, 8.45 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Um, this is uh, this is good. This is good. This one's good. I like this it's one a lot. It's going to be a banger. This one is yeah. really fun. This one is the – this is the uh, – the, the the crazy one right we've got we've got the normal game and then we have a crazy game which is always a good balance to have uh where are you I'll, I'll i'll put basically the same question to you that we started the first one off with where are you at with this one narrative wise what are you feeling here i think these are like two nearly identical teams in national perception if not an on-field play right i think the perception of these teams is they play a bunch of weird high-scoring games, a lot of explosives, a talented skill cores, and there's a lot of goofy-ass results. They probably played it too close way too many times this season, but both teams still emerged uh, as conference champions to playoff spot. Um, that's kind of the narrative to me on both of these, both of these squads. Um, I think in practicality, they're, they're a fair bit different. I think Washington overcame a harder schedule. Texas has the bigger marquee win with the road win at Bama, obviously. Um, Texas is a better defense. Uh, I think Washington has been week to week, far more efficient on offense, uh, and far more reliable. They had some stinker games. There was that rain game against Oregon state and kind of a weird day against Wazoo and a couple others, but Washington's put up numbers, you know, all week, all year. Um, this is usually oversimplified analysis and I hate to say it, but the read I, I have this game coming into it is the better quarterback between Michael Penix and Quinn Ewers is going to win this game. Whoever plays better on January 1st, whichever quarterback plays better is going to come home with the win. That is my honest feeling looking at these two rosters. Is that crazy to you? Um, No, I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's crazy. These are two teams that depend pretty heavily on the play of their quarterbacks. Right. And they have great receivers and there's skill around those quarterbacks that has, they're not just quarterback teams, but of course um, that is, I mean, that is a pretty, that's a pretty big deal for both of these offenses. And I, I think that that would be, I think that would be fair. So the, the, the place I am, uh, the, the, the entry point that I'm finding myself at with this and that I think basically what's going to happen here is that this preview is going to be dependent on whether or not I will be swayed on this, which I don't really know. I, like, I, I'm, I'm open to an, another opinion on this. But right now, as I'm currently thinking about it, I, I think Washington already beat this team twice. I think they already beat a better version of this team in Oregon. I, I, I think Oregon's better at what, do, at what Texas does than Texas. I think Bo Nix is better than Quinn Ewers. I think that the Oregon defense is better than Texas's. There are some differences schematically, obviously, not a ton. There's some. The personnel is different. I think ta- I think that that Texas has. I was gonna say Texas has something better. I don't. I guess the line is better. The defensive line is better. Maybe. Um, yeah. But I I feel like Washington already beat these guys twice. A better version of these guys with a better quarterback, and. Bo Nix was what kept Oregon in those games. I don't trust Quinn Ewers. I don't. I don't trust Quinn Ewers at all to do that. I don't trust Quinn Ewers to do even close to that. I think Bo Nix is a better quarterback, and I. I certainly think that Michael Penix can take advantage of this secondary. The secondary is okay. I. I think if Washington was able to do it twice against against Oregon, including once on a neutral site field. I don't know why they wouldn't be able to do it here. And that's that's basically where I'm at with this is that I've seen Washington do this. I've seen Washington go against a good offense, a really good offense that can put a lot of points on the board and understand that it's probably not going to get a ton of stops, but get a couple that it needed and the, the that its offense is better in these games than anybody else and that it can win not necessarily a shootout, but a higher scoring, a game that's in the 30s approaching the 40s. Washington's won that game against really good teams this season. And, yeah. I, I, and Texas lost it to Oklahoma. Yeah, I, as well. I yeah. trust Washington in this game. I don't trust Texas in this game. I don't think that Texas is the the level of experienced in this exact kind of game state that Washington is. Washington's played this game happily and has won it every time it's played it. Yeah, 100%. Um I think the thing too is like Washington's defense, the numbers are not very good. <laughs> like they are 
109th in defensive success rate. They're 42nd defensive SP plus. Uh, they're 77th defensive EPA per play. Like this defense is just straight up not very good this year. But they have also bowed up in some bigger games. Like they have against like every major team they've played, you know, except I'd say like USC, they had a good defensive performance. Like USC gave a lot of points and yards, but most weeks they are holding serve and getting the job done, which I don't really understand how it's happening very often because there's all, it's like they're a good red zone defense as Ben, but don't break. They're, they're a hundred and ninth and red zone touchdown rate allowed uh, 119th, sorry, in nationally red zone touchdown rate allowed. They're not really, <laughs> I really can't figure out how it, happening it just seems like there are a couple key plays here and there on defense in every big game yeah. whether it's jabbar muhammad like locking up um oregon state's receivers in that big rain game or if you're looking at uh jalen uh, braylon trice rather making like some major pressures on on key passing downs like they just have a couple guys here and there that will emerge on a big whereas texas i feel like is pretty efficient rep to rep like they're in their numbers are pretty good defensively. They're they're 11th in defensive success rate. Um, SP Plus has them as a top 10 defense nationally. Uh, but it feels to me like when they're in key moments, they tend to fuck up and make mistakes. Like they, you know, allowed uh, Kansas State to take them to overtime, uh, right? They lost to Oklahoma on that last minute drive. Um, they, there's, I mean, they've been pretty good through a lot of the season, but they were in tight games with, with TCU and Houston at different points. And, like there are times where it felt like Texas couldn't get off the field they needed to and couldn't quite trust that defense, uh, especially downfield. In a way that makes me feel like I'm not, and maybe foolish to do so, but I'm not really trusting the numbers here. I'm saying I'm trusting my gut feel based on what I've seen on the field from both of these teams. Yeah, um, yeah. If 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 big play pass defense is a concern for a defense going into a game with Washington, and it is for Texas. That is a that is a red flag in my mind. <laughs> that is setting off alarm yeah. bells of like, well, I know who can probably take advantage of that. I have a pretty good idea of a quarterback and a receiving core and an offense that is structured in a way that will very gladly make you pay for not having a, a super disciplined back end of your defense. It's a talented secondary, but it is a secondary that has been uh, leaky in in key moments. And I also don't think they've played a quarterback anywhere near as good as Michael Penix as at, at everything, but it, especially at downfield passing. Um, I, I don't, I don't trust the pass defense here. I know the run defense is really good. I think that the run defense probably can hold its own against Dylan Johnson and, and put Washington into passing downs, but Washington's been really good on passing downs and it has been all season and it has been willing to, to move the chains in those plays and to, to play in those high leverage moments by throwing the ball, by trusting the passing game, by trusting Michael Penix, and he's usually paid it off. They're 13 and 0. Um, <laughs> you know, they got they, they got there for a reason. And so I, I don't I don't love that. I don't love that for the Texas defense. And then this is not, you know, a Texas offense that has made a ton of mistakes. I don't know what the I'm, I'm pulling up the interception numbers. Yeah, 21 touchdowns to six interceptions for Quinn Ewers. He has taken 23 sacks. Um, he's been able to mostly avoid turnovers. They've been pretty good at avoiding turnovers offensively. But Washington's defense has been very good at at picking quarterbacks off, even good quarterbacks, quarterbacks who avoid those turnovers yeah. for the most part. Um, and the defense for Washington is not is not good. Like you said, the numbers are not super favorable. But I I. I do think that they're capable of getting one or two. And if you get one or two in this game, I don't know how many stops Texas is going to be able to get. I don't know how many times Texas will be able to avoid giving up those big passing plays, the big plays in general to this offense. Cause I think there are just, there's too many weapons for me to think that Texas can account for all of them consistently. Cause it just hasn't really shown an ability to do that against worse offenses than this one. It's true. And here's the thing. I agree with everything you just said, but I, like I keep questioning if I have to trust my lying eyes or or the or the numbers here, which I, I hate to be like a stats guy. But I did pull it up because I was curious. Overwatch, like Michael Penix, I regard as one of the the hands down best quarterbacks in the country and a fantastic player. Over the last eight games he's played, he's completed sixty point four percent of his passes, seven point seven yards per attempt, with seven interceptions. Um, Quinn Ewers, who I kind of regard as a streaky quarterback, who I don't really trust a lot. 
since he came back from injury is completing over 70% of his passes and over nine yards per attempt. And you mentioned like the sacks, he has taken too many sacks and partially on him for holding the ball too long, which has always been his problem, partially on the line. Um, they also, he, he also has uh, thrown a couple picks in those games. Um, it's really hard for, but, but obviously I still trust Michael Penix more than Quinn Ewers, right? I think you'd be nuts not to, but it's worth noting that like Quinn has shown the ability at times, including against this team last year, but it's a different roster. It, like he he can raise his play to a very elite level when he's called upon to do so. Yeah. I thought he was brilliant against Bama. Like I think he's been really good in some of their biggest games and has been a major factor for them very often when he's healthy, when he's good. But you also have some bad Quinn games. I would say the floor for Penix is a lot safer. Like a bad Penix game is going to look a little bit inefficient and accurate, but it's not going to result in a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of backbreaking plays, right? He's still going to hit big plays even in his bad games. Yeah. Just based on the way he plays football. And um, just from from memory, I don't know if the stats back this up, but from memory, his his worst games have come in like kind of <laughs> games that, that weren't super – yeah, marquee, right? They weren't like huge. It wasn't huge games. I don't think that he was doing that. It feels like he was really good against Oregon both times that they played that game, and, and that yeah, he, he was he, delivered. You could look at the, the, when they needed him most. The one you could look at is the Oregon State game, which is a big team, but that was also like a driving rain game. Yeah, um, probably not going to so be doing hard. that in the Sugar Bowl. I don't know that we need to worry no, about the driving no. rain in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> right, but he like he wasn't like his counting stats were good against Utah. He finished with three hundred thirty-two yards, but. He was also a 24 or 42 and like, uh, you know, I mean, wasn't really moving the ball downfield a ton against that team. Like there, there are games where he's been, he's had some bad stretches, but by and large, yes, he's played his best against good opponents, which is yeah. a, a positive Washington's favor. And, and you could also say Quinn's done the same thing, right? Quinn also probably plays his well, best against big opponents. Well, I'm, so I was going to actually, I was going to kind of mention that because I was curious. I went back. So the four games that we've seen of Quinn since he returned from injury, uh, the teams he played against, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. Are those good defenses? Are those like are those are those good defenses? Are those I mean Iowa State's statistically has been pretty good. Texas also didn't play all that well in that game. They won by ten. They barely beat TCU. And then they beat the shit out of Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Are those good defenses that we that he's been doing this against since since returning from injury? Has he been lighting it up in huge games? I don't I don't think so. I don't know that I would describe it. Yeah, it's these a as... it's a fair question. I think you could point back to the Alabama game though. Um, yeah. and what he did against that. I know it's and like that, that was Alabama so team has changed ago. a lot, but their defense hasn't. <laughs> it yeah, so... it was a long time ago, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um he played really well. I mean he had the two picks against Oklahoma, but as I recall, one was a like bad drop by receivers. He, he started pick. that game extremely poorly and then he was really good down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he finished 31 of 37 for 346 yards. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, the, the picks were not, as I recall them, like bad plays. One was a drop pass by receiver. I forget about the other one, but the, the, yeah. the um, one, I think the, there was one that was not good. And then there was one that was not really his fault from just yeah. what I remember. Which is not yeah, a ton. me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> not a ton. It's been, again, it's been a minute since that game. Um, and so I, yeah, I, and we're coming back again to the quarterback matchup, which I, I think is just kind of an overarching thing here, but there are other matchups involved in this game. Of course. Um, yeah. which I, I, I think the most interesting probably would be the other part of the offense for both of these teams, which is that Washington really can't stop the run. And Texas has been very good against the run, which, which does kind of, uh, you know, it affects the game state here. It affects the situations course, that these quarterbacks yeah. are finding themselves in. I think that the, the degree of difficulty will probably be higher generally for Michael Penix, because I don't know that they're going to be able to run, super successfully they have also run the ball pretty well in in recent weeks they ran the ball well against Oregon when they needed to they've they've been able to do that more I think the running game has improved recently but Texas's run defense is really good is a is a level of good that that can be very difficult to work around and and you know I think that Texas's rushing attack is I don't feel great about, but I, I think that it can probably, like most rushing attacks, can probably move the ball against Washington's run defense for the most part. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I'll also add, like, uh, Texas's run offense hasn't been all that hasn't been all that good. It's it's like the success rate is really bad. They're 113th in rushing success rate, um, and 
we talked and about they're also playing with backups now yes yeah. yeah they're playing without jonathan brooks he's out for the season he's not coming back um and we've talked about this dynamic a couple times this season going into oregon and washington games about oh well you know oregon will have the efficiency advantage it's a matter of big plays and like oregon didn't really have the efficiency advantage enough at least not to win the games um oregon kind of was reliant on big plays especially in the second one to move the ball offensively and Texas is able to create big plays, has been able to create big plays, but I don't know that the the efficiency advantage is quite as stark as you might think based on the struggles that Washington's defense has had, because Texas hasn't been that good at taking advantage of that. No, no, they have not. Um, I think that's something where, it's kind of what I was getting into, I think both of these teams need to hit big, major like downfield shots to have the day they want to have. There, it's, just, like, it's not going to be like Texas is going to come out and get five yards of carry on you consistently, even with a pretty bad Washington rush defense. The only thing they did that against, as I recall it, was that banged up Kansas squad. Um, Texas has not week to week really done what you'd expect in the rushing attack, especially since Brooks went down. I mean, Baxter and Blue each had a good game, one against Iowa State, one against Texas Tech, and that's nice, but like, you know, their, their big rushing week of the season, they had one against Kansas and one against Wyoming, but it's been pretty mediocre rushing performance that all season. Um, and if anything, I know the numbers, again, don't say this, but just from feel from recent games, the way Dylan Johnson for Washington can lean on a team is better than what Texas has found in the rushing attack lately. Um, I don't, I don't think I would outright say I have more faith in Washington's run game. Cause I don't think that's true, but I have more faith in Washington to be able to finish a game with the rushing attack. If they can get a lead. Whereas with Texas, I don't trust that as much. Yeah, Dylan Johnson has been really, really good down the stretch. He was really good at the end of the Oregon game. They he's they, a hammer, man. Yeah they, yeah, they leaned on him and and just the way that he was finishing Utah runs, as well, right? Yeah, like he's been he's been doing that recently. He's been able to find that groove and he's ran the ball really, really well and really hard. Um, and I do trust I I trust him more. I trust him more than any of the running backs that Texas is going to have on hand. Yeah. Um, their top running backs a freshman. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's that's again, you know, if, even the the matchup that would be in theory pretty favorable for Texas doesn't feel that favorable to me. It doesn't feel that good to 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 think about that. Where you know maybe you're heading into the fourth quarter, Washington nursing a, a touchdown lead. Uh, is Texas's defense still going to be one of the best run defense in the country at that point in the game where, you know, you're, you're getting that contact from Dylan Johnson, every play. I, I'm it's, I, I don't, you know, you can call it vibes based analysis, but like football, your, your body wears down over the, over the course of a three and a half hour football game. When you get into the last 15 minutes, it's a little bit harder to get a guy on the ground when he's that fucking big and he's that physical. And he has done this yeah. before he's done this against defenses that have size and, and athleticism. And they've all, they also do a good job about kind of keeping their powder dry until the end of the game, right? Like they lean on the passing game a lot in early quarters and let him be relatively fresh for those finishing drives in the second half. Um, whereas I think Texas tends to be a bit more balanced throughout. Um, yeah. The one thing I will know, I mean, like we, we haven't even talked about arguably the best position group for both teams, which are their receivers and tight ends on both sides. Um, I mean, Texas has that collection of Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jatavian Sanders. Obviously, um, Washington has their big three at receiver of uh, of Odunze, McMillan, and Polk, who are all supposed to be healthy for this one. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they have Jeremy Bernard back as well. Yeah. Um, yeah Jack West. Is that right? It. Yeah. And that. Jack Westover, Westover. You fucking end. love Jack Westover. Dude. I love. He's your favorite I, guy. I love me some Jack Westover. Um, what is the? Uh, I was going to say Giles Corey. It's not Giles Corey. <laughs> He was <laughs> Corey Giles. He's out for the year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I believe Giles uh, Corey was funny. in a was in a eight uh, 18th century story. Right. Right. Wasn't he the old man mm-hmm. who got the the rock on his chest? I don't know what that was from. Um, old Giles. All right. Corey. Yeah. Let I don't me, recall that one. I believe you though. Let me. Look. Um, I'm curious. He was in India. Yeah, he was in the. He was in the I, I believe he was in the Crucible. Um, might have been a real guy. Holy shit! He was a real guy. He was not just a. Boy, that sucks. <laughs> That sucks. Yeah, the crushing death of Giles Corey. Well, rest in peace to Giles Corey. He will not be available yeah. for Washington in this game, as he was <laughs> killed in Salem in 1692 when they put a bunch of rocks on him. Um, that yeah, is, that happens. That yeah, is unfortunate. He was just standing. Up I will for his say, wife. yeah. 
so sorry to interrupt you, but get to back to football really quick, if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think Texas has seen anything like Washington's collection of skill players, including against Alabama and Oklahoma. Like those teams do not have the skill players overall that Washington has. I think Washington has seen something comparable. I will not say Oregon has that because I think Oregon is not as good at receiver and tight end. They have, you know, the running backs, but, um, you know, Troy Franklin's nice, but it's not, it's not quite what Texas has. Right. But they did see it against USC and their defense didn't really play lights out against it. So I'm I'm not saying that's a point in Washington's favor, but they played a game against comparable skill previously. Uh Um, Whereas I don't think Texas has. And yeah, I am very curious to see how both of these secondaries and defensive backfields in particular managed to deal with this. Um, you know, I think Washington is a bit more limited in their talent in the secondary than Texas is. Texas, that's why Texas has been better on the year overall statistically. I, we mentioned Jabbar Muhammad making some big-time plays. They do have that. But, like, if you look at this Washington secondary top to bottom, you're not just guarding Xavier Roy like you were just guarding Troy Franklin, right? You're also playing against A.D. Mitchell as a big-time big play threat. Davian Sanders is, a, is hellish over the middle. Like, you have more targets for Texas here than Washington is used to seeing. That's all true for Texas trying to guard Washington's receivers, right? This is like, I mean, it probably finishes the best core of receivers and tight ends in the country, um, top to bottom. And I don't know how Texas will handle that. I think they're not as disciplined as they need to be. Yeah, Um, I would guess probably pretty poorly, right? Like, I I don't... Yeah. The the small sample sizes that we have of Texas playing against, not even comparable, but, but relatively close, you know, good receiving cores, hasn't been especially encouraging. Um, and they, they certainly haven't done it against quarterbacks of this caliber. Uh, they, they really, really struggled to get off the field against Kansas state and Kansas state's passing attack is not Washington's passing attack. They still struggled though. Will Howard went fucking crazy in that game. And if you can't deal with Keegan Johnson and, and Philip Brooks and Jace Brown, and Ben Sonat, I don't know how you're going to deal with these guys. If, if that's, if that's a serious problem for you that you're going to overtime with those guys. And obviously circumstances change. You have a different quarterback in that game. You have a backup quarterback in that game, but the, the defense didn't have a backup quarterback. Um, they lost to Oklahoma. They lost to an Oklahoma receiving core and passing attack. That's not as good as this one. It, it can, I don't know that I really I just don't have the I don't quite have the confidence in Texas's ability to play in and then also win a shootout. I don't know that they can do that. I don't know that they have just the I don't know if they have the horses for it. I, I think if it comes down to that and Washington has played in that kind of game is comfortable winning that kind of game. I don't know that Texas is. Yeah, and that, I think that's what it comes down to to me. Is like I understand the numbers. A lot of them point to Texas. I really do get that. And I think these are relatively even teams in terms of quality. I think the difference for me is the matchups in favor of Washington yeah. and the kind of wars that Washington has had to play in. Yes. Right? That they've played in games like this. Whereas, And I'm not saying Texas hasn't. Uh, they obviously also played Oklahoma and Bama. But those teams are not the same from a matchup perspective and from a strength perspective of what Washington has faced. Where, like, as you said early on, Texas and Oregon are very similar football teams. Uh, there is a lot of overlap between them. I think Texas has a little bit more skill talent. I think Oregon's secondary is a little bit better. But, like, by and large, they're comparable football teams. Yeah. I think I give the edge to Washington here, man. I mean, we're going to do predictions here soon, unless you have a ton of other thoughts. But I think, to me, I feel more comfortable taking Washington. Yeah, I'm 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 on the I'm on the same you know I'm in the same place. I I I think that there is a there is a world where Texas wins this game. It's not like impossible for me to to see that. I think that is that's a distinct possibility. But I also I I trust I just trust Washington more. I trust Washington more in this game. Is that you know vibes based? I don't know. Um, I've seen Washington play a lot of football games this year. I've seen Texas play a lot of football games this year. I think Washington's better than Texas is. I, I, I don't really, I don't really understand the the Texas being favored here beyond just it seems like people haven't watched Washington play. It seems like people. It's the analytic yeah. models. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and like I just I don't think that that really fully captures what. Washington is and what Washington has been all season and the reason that it had that it has played in and won these games it's done it all season 
I trust these guys to do that. I trust that, especially, I mean, they went through the fucking ringer the last month and, you know, change of the season. They played a lot of really good quality football teams and they didn't lose. They didn't lose a single one of those games. Um, I, I believe in their ability to win in a, a marquee matchup more than I do Texas's. I, I trust the things that are great with Washington more than I t- trust the things that are great with Texas. I think Washington's a better football team. I think that they win the game. Yeah. Um, man, I, um, I think I have to agree with you. I, and we can do predictions here now on, on our score predictions the, mm-hmm. the, just for context, the line is Texas by four and a half. The over under is 63 and a half. Um, that makes the implied score. Uh, what is that? Like 34 to 30, basically mm-hmm. um, something like that. That's that's um, right around where I would have it. I have it, I think, as probably Washington 38, Texas 30, 30. I'm going to say 30. I don't, I don't, yeah, I think it's an eight-point win for Washington, 38-30. I was going to go a bit higher. I was going to go 41-37 Washington, uh-huh. uh, but same ballpark, uh, which I know is kind of a weird score, but uh, it'll work itself out. Uh-huh. Um, I've got a 41-37 favor of Washington. I mean, I think this is going to be a great football game. I'm really excited to see this one. Yeah. So um, we maybe our hopes will get dashed, and who knows? But yeah, I mean, Washington has been picked against quite often this year. Yeah. Uh, and no one's actually done it. Nope. No one's actually done it. Uh, so we have you have an Alabama Washington national championship. I also have Washington, but I have Washington against Michigan. Um, I I don't I don't think that there is an outcome that would make for a an outright bad championship game. I do think that Texas Alabama is absolutely the worst case scenario possible, because um, we've seen it already. <laughs> you know, we already saw the game. I, I think that any of the other ones would be preferable to to that. I just don't want that. That's uh, I, the I mean, only thing I'm rooting against in the playoff is that I don't want Texas Alabama part two. If I remove myself from like who I am as a person, my rooting interest, I think you're probably right. However, any outcome that involves Michigan in the, in the championship is worse for me. Uh-huh. Um, I am, uh, I'm saying roll tide roll, uh, you know, all winter. Uh, I don't give a piss. I don't about the tide, uh-huh. all that good stuff. Um, we're, I, I got to, I mean, not that this is what this podcast is about, but just from putting my Ohio state fan brain for a second here, uh-huh. just to talk through it. I think if you're a Buckeye fan, the outcome you want, probably out of all these teams is Alabama winning the championship because it just maintains the status quo, right? Like it's not like Saban's going to, he's already signed a top two class and has the most talented roster in college football every year. It doesn't make any difference to you, right? Whereas like if Texas wins a title, all of a sudden they're a new national power. Washington, if they win a title, they're entering the big 10 with way more cachet than they've had for a generation or more. Um, If Michigan wins, it's obviously fucking doomsday scenario. Uh, the only option you can root for is is Alabama. Yeah, look at what Ryan Day has reduced you to. Gene Smith. I know. Listen, I listen know. to this man. Listen to what Ryan Day has done to this man's brain. It's very sad. It's very sad to see. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not good for me. No, he's got you in there. There's a uh, there's something I'll tell you off the air too that I saw just before we started recording that will uh, tell you how pissed off I am. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, um, that's where we're at. That's where we're at with these games. Um, we will, uh, of course, talk about them after they happen. Um, yeah. but until... January 2nd, like the evening will record. Yeah. yeah, probably. Well, January 6th, we'll both be very busy. Um, but <laughs> until, uh-huh. <laughs> until then, until then, yes, we'll have time to, to talk about these games. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all then.